the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing, the shining spot of red in the sea of dismal, dingy institutional blue. The Northern Alliance Radio Network. My name, Mitch Berg. My blog, shotinthedark.info. Most of you know this, in case you didn't. Well, welcome to the show. Five days a week, I and Mr. D and First Ringer bring you the best of Minnesota's, let's just say, C-list blogs. I'm not going to overpromise. I, I do like to over-deliver. But we've been doing this for, well, entering our third decade right now. I hope you can join us. And, of course, glad you can join us here every Saturday and Sunday on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Myself, the headliner edition. Brad Carlson coming up tomorrow, the closer edition. Jack Tomzak, the new guy, coming up at 3 o'clock today. And, of course, King Banyan every Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 a.m. on the, uh, the AM 1440, The Businessman. We're the Northern Alliance Radio Network, two weeks away from our 18th anniversary of dominating Twin Cities media in all of its ways, shapes, and forms. I mean, why not? Uh, you, you've probably heard the story in Twin Cities media probably a little over a month ago about my next guest, who, uh, who, who was something of, a, of an emblematic story about crime in Minneapolis when thieves up to God only knows what stole, of all things, a food trailer. You thought you heard everything. Now you have heard it all, in fact. And, and with us up next is is the proprietor of that food trailer and soon-to-be upcoming business here in the Twin Cities. Uh, Mackinson Charles uh, joins me. Mackinson, welcome to the North Alliance. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so very much. Uh, pleasure to be here today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, when I read your story, uh, I, I, it was in the Twin Cities media. Alpha News covered it. It was on Channel 4, I believe, way back when. Uh, I, I, I didn't know the whole story. I, I knew what the media told us here. Uh, and, and I thought, like an awful lot of people I know, they thought, a food trailer. I mean, I could see stealing a car. Ste- cars kind of melt into the crowd in places like this. But... A food trailer. Tell us, before we get to the story of the actual crime, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you, where you come from, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, yeah, your, your, the episode after that. Well, uh, my name is Mackinson Charles, and um, I was born and raised in Haiti. I actually spent the first uh, 14 years of my life in Haiti. Um, growing up in Haiti in a Christian family, um, the part of where I came from, Haiti, which is Port-au-Prince, it was very, very Americanized. Yeah, and um, so when I moved to the states, it was pretty much um, not really a huge difference, but um, it it was always the American dreams to come here, right? Um, you know, pretty much all the kids that I grew up with, they always wanted to come to America. Um, one of the funny stories that I that I have, I've never thought that I'll ever say that story, but um, <laughs> um, when I was the the church that I normally used to go to when I was in Haiti. It used to run by missionaries that that was in Minnesota. So Minnesota was one of the places that I always know oh, wow. about. Yeah. Okay. So those missionaries, they came to Haiti one time. And, and we have peanut butters in Haiti, but our peanut butter is very spicy. Oh, and, um, awesome. Yeah, it's very, very spicy. Okay. And they, they those missionaries brought uh, peanut butter, which is like the, the purple kind ones. Yeah. And um, they offered it to us. We didn't know what it was. It was three of us, and uh, once we taste that peanut butter, I was like, "Man, I need to go to Minnesota. I need to eat some more of that." Um, so Minnesota was always the 
a place that that was always in my mind. Even when I was in in Miami, I always wanted to come here. Ed, you 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 moved to Miami as a, yeah. as a lot of, of Haitian Americans do, and then you 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 took your course over time. And what brought you to the Twin Cities other than the peanut butter? Um, <laughs> um, one of the thing that that actually brought me here, um, I got custody of my oldest son. I have okay. I have two boys. Okay, and um, I got custody of the oldest one, and I was looking for a place to raise them. Okay, and um, when I look online, Minnesota was one of them. Okay, one of the top ten. Yeah, and um, and I had a friend that lives here, so I was like, okay, this is the place that I'm always going to be. It, it's something. Yeah, schools and and quality of life draws a lot of people to Minnesota for yeah. that reason. And uh, and so so since, since then, since you moved to, to Minnesota, you 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 worked in the the food service industry. Tell us a little bit about what brought you to building a food trailer. Um, when I started cooking, um, it was it was right after high school. Okay. Um, I truly didn't know, know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I couldn't go to college, right. which I wanted to. Yeah. Um, so when I started cooking and, and, you know, I, people start telling me how good I was doing at it. Yeah. Um, you know, after getting training from, from a few guys and it was like, you know, if, if you stick to it, I, you know, I see potentials in there. Right. And the more chefs that I work with and they kept telling me the same thing and I took it serious and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to have a food truck. I'm going to have a restaurant one day. Okay. And, you know, I'm going to make that happen. And so you you, you had this idea. You wanted to open your own business yeah. and, and a food truck. I mean, a lot of people are doing food trucks these days. Seems yeah. like a, a lot of immigrants especially. Yeah. And uh, I, I knew back when I worked in downtown Minneapolis, a couple of food trucks where I, I was like, I have lunch with her. Thank you for coming to America. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you, uh, you, so you work, did you work uh, uh, as a cook around the Twin Cities? And what, what you? Um, not yet. Not okay. yet. Um, I had a couple of offers uh, okay. in the Twin City. Um, you know, working in the kitchen really takes your time. Oh, yeah. Um, it takes a lot of your time. So I felt like if, if I went and work in a restaurant right now in the Twin City, it would not give me the time that I need to to focus on the food truck and creating my own menu and stuff like it, that. It takes a lot of time. But it yeah. doesn't always pay really well. So not if you want, all. if you're on a mission to save money, there's yeah. other avenues. So yeah. that's that's good. So how long did you? Uh, so you had the dream to start the food truck. How long did it take you to save save up to to get to the point where you were in January? Um, I started saving when they start giving the stimulus checks. Okay. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to spend anything on my stimulus check i'm not going to do anything with it i'm just going to keep saving them so yeah um every single one of the stimulus check i save them oh wow and yeah i didn't spend anything on them and um and i when i start working as a security guard and i start working double okay um like every single shift that they have open i was doing it and you're still doing it i should point out you just got it. off work as just we got off work, yeah. <laughs> that's right from a, from a 19 hour shift actually holy cow yeah. all right i've been there since yesterday <laughs> so you put all those stimulus and all that double double shift money yeah. into building a food trailer tell me a little bit about the trailer um uh the trailer that i wanted to buy was a, a 7 by 16 but i did not have money for it so okay. i got me a, a 6 by 12 okay um you know um when I when I I paid about like ten thousand for it. Wow. Yeah, I paid yeah. about ten thousand for it, and I bought the equipment. So everything else that's in it come equivalent to uh twenty five thousand or a little more. Wow. And um, you know, I'm still spending on the on the truck, you know. But um, yeah, it's 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 pretty much almost done now to, wow. to start. Okay, so you 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 and you you were pretty much raring to go here, as I recall from the news coverage earlier this winter. You were just about ready to roll things out uh, come food truck season here this spring. Uh, yeah. What what kind of, I mean, with downtown being a little depressed, you think maybe not the best time to roll out a food trailer. Not so. It's uh, where, Where's the market for food trailers these days? Um, 
my plan, what I what I was going to do, um, um, it's it's to look for more more event. Okay. And um, uh, places because you know when I talk to people, they said um, you know we don't have Caribbean food here. Yeah. Um, like like Cuban food, Cuban yeah. sandwich and stuff like that. So yeah. I was like, you know what, um. I'm not going to stay somewhere in, in downtown Minneapolis. Right. I'm going to look for places that have kind of like, let's say UPS. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of employees in there. And I was like, you know what? If I bring one of the U, uh, UPS drivers actually told me, hey, if you bring your truck here, um, you know, we we are going to support you. I mean, we order from other places. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you no, know, a food truck outside of a big uh, a big box uh, warehouse or, or a service place like that can make some serious. Definitely, so, yeah. so let's talk about what happened last January. I mean, what? You walk out of your uh, out of your house and you see no trailer. I mean, tell us a, bit, a little bit about what happened. Yeah, um, the the trailer they stole it on 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 a Thursday. Okay. Um, I went to work on Wednesday. Okay. I saw the trailer. It okay. was it was there. <laughs> it was there. I was I always check on it. Yeah. It was there. But um, when I got back from work at a nineteen hour shift, and um, when I got there, I was I was very surprised. At first, I thought the the police was the one who took it because it, it parked outside. So I'm okay. like. Okay, maybe they, you know, they 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 told my my trailer, and I have to pay for it to get it back. Yeah, all right, no problem, because I parked it outside. Right, and um, when I called the cops, they checked. They said, "Well, we never, we didn't tow any trailer today. What was going on?" <laughs> and um, so I called oh, every man. single tow truck to see if they they don't want to tug it, and um, you know, all of them says no, they did not. You know, it's it's funny that you ask because three days ago there was a lady who who saw me on the trailer. He's like. She was like, "Oh, you got your trailer back?" I said, "Yeah, I got my trailer back." And um and I was giving her the story and how I got it back and she said, "Well, you know, I saw a couple of guys that was taking it that day and I thought they was like your your people." Right. So I didn't say anything. So I told her, "Look, anytime you see anybody on that trailer, if it is not me, call the cops." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so literally people came by hooked the trailer up to yeah. something and hauled it off. Hauled it off, yeah. The, and when I first contacted you, it was you were running a GoFundMe campaign, yeah. uh, and no one knew where the trailer was. The trailer popped up. That's the good news. Yeah. And it, from your discussion, it wasn't too badly damaged. No, uh, not at all. Really? Okay, so you, you lucked out. Any idea? No suspects, I'm assuming. Nobody knows who boosted it? Nobody knows who did it. Um but I, I I have my own suspicions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so my own suspicions. it's a weird thing to try and steal. But the thing that, that got me upset, and this is before I knew anything about you, before I knew anything about your story. We'll come back to that in a moment here. But the people, we've got about a minute here. I mean, actually, two minutes here. The people, that, the thing that got me upset was on social media, people saying two things. Number one, it's only property. And number two, insurance will cover it. Well, first of all, you didn't have insurance, but somebody pays for insurance, and that's yeah. you and me. All of us pay for insurance. So when things get stolen, we all pay for it, and then the price to insure it goes up. Yeah. The other part is it's only property. And I just I think whenever people say that, it's like, well, then you've never really worked all that hard for anything yeah. because you, you were, you're, you're a classic story of someone who's worked a long time and put in a lot of extra hours and put everything, you know, all that optional fund money that we got from, yeah. from the Biden administration last yeah. year. I didn't, but other people did. You didn't spend it on a vacation. You yeah. didn't go to Vegas. You put it into a food truck. It's yeah. like, don't tell me. I mean, what? what did you hear that from people, Mackins and Charles? Not at all. I mean, okay. uh, for me, um, it, it's the American dream. Uh, right. You know, I know, I know a lot of people don't don't think that the American dream is still alive. But I'm here to let everybody know who everybody who's listening to the radio station right now. I want you to know the American dream is still alive, and I, and I truly believe in the American dream, and that's why I put all this money on 
what it is because the American dream is to come here, bring your own, bring your culture. Yep. And um, create jobs, opportunities for everybody. And I truly believe in that. Now, this is interesting because literally I, I knew nothing about you, including how to pronounce your name up until this morning here. <laughs> nothing other than the story as it appeared in the mainstream media and our brief text messages back and forth. It gets interesting after this because literally we met 20 minutes ago. And uh, there's a part here that I think is a little interesting I would love to talk about as well as the story itself. Uh talking with Mackinson Charles, uh, AM 1280 The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. One more segment to go with this on a gorgeous Saturday afternoon in the Twin Cities. Go nowhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280 The Patriot. Hey, don't forget the Dinesh D'Souza podcast accessible only via am1280thepatriot.com. Dinesh D'Souza, one of the great historians, great thinkers, great writers of our time, and you can hear him every single weekday. Just go to am1280thepatriot.com. He's right there. What's holding you back? Nothing is holding you back, unless you don't have the Internet, in which case, okay, I'll give you a pass. Otherwise, Dinesh D'Souza on the podcast Every day, am1280thepatriot.com. Back with Mackinson Charles, the owner of the food trailer that was stolen and thankfully recovered uh, over this past winter here as as uh, he continues his, his drive to get back into business here, uh, actually into business here as, uh, as a food truck proprietor here. Now, as I was explaining before the break, literally had no idea who you were. You, I, I didn't know that you were from Haiti. I did not know uh, anything about you, but it turns out... You you have a, a narrative that's a little different than the narrative that the DFL and some of our, our, our some of our neighbors say about about immigrants. You 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 pointed out almost cheapishly in the in the break room that you're a Republican that you voted for Donald Trump. Uh, tell us a little about a little more here, Doc Mackins and Charles. Um, you know, and and in my culture, um, <clears throat> any Haitians who's listening to the radio station right now, I can tell you, um, we are. Republican, the the you know one one of the thing that um um you know they do to us as immigrant when we come in they kind of brainwash us and let yeah. us letting us know this if if somebody act this way they are that kind of person if if they act that way they are that kind of person so they don't really give you a a chance to like pick and choose for yourself and understand what's going on yeah and and I had to break that cycle. Yeah. To really understand what really going on and, and, and how the American system work and how the American politics work. Um, and, and that's when I made the decision to become um, a U.S. citizen and, and also a Republican. Wow. And this and and this is because we, we've had for the life of me, I'm not remembering his name. We had a, one of my favorite guests I've ever had was a Haitian fellow from the east side of St. Paul. Similar story to you came to America with nothing. Uh, built a business, a thriving uh, air conditioning business out on the east side of St. Paul. Has like six or seven kids. The American dream come to life right there. I mean, doing very well for himself. I've worked I've worked double shifts for years to, to get it all going here. And, and he said a similar thing. It's like most Haitians, and he said a thing, uh, something about Haitians that I've heard other people say about, about Hmong, about Latinos, about a whole lot of African Americans, for that matter, in general, is it that most of them live like Republicans and, and are Republicans? They just don't know it yet, and they have been spe- they've spent their whole lives being told otherwise. Yeah. 
and it's something that that an awful lot of us, at least conservatives, are going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean. So, so it's interesting to hear it from you. And literally, I knew not one thing about it, and I don't know if you even knew that this was a Republican station when you came down. I, I did not know at all. <laughs> That's right. It's like you're almost like okay, don't don't bite my head off for for being a Republican. <laughs> and I get that because I live in St. Paul. You live in Hopkins, which. Yeah. I, I, I may be I may be in a worse neighborhood for Republicans than you yeah. at this point, but uh, you you uh, yet there is a certain amount of you call it brainwashing. I call it uh, I, I I call it training, mm-hmm. but that goes on. What do you get from people in your community when you do? And you've been a fairly outspoken yeah. Republican. You you wear Trump T-shirts uh, around and about. Absolutely. What do you get from people in your community? Well, they mad. They mad about it. But um, I always ask them. Um, you know, when, when, when they have a reaction, I said, okay, go ahead, come on in, ask me any questions that you want. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have the answer because, you know, most of the time what they're saying is, is that, you know, Republicans are, are racist and yeah. Democrats are not. Yeah. You know, and um, for somebody who loves history, history is one of my favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for somebody who loves history, you can't tell me that. There's no way you'll be able to tell me that. I mean, if you, if you look at all, the, all our leaders, you know, African-American leaders, yeah. they were never Democrats. Right. None of them was Democrats. So That's right. I, so how do, we, how do we switch from that? How do, yeah. what, what do we come from? How do we come from, you know, being, you know, Republican and, and you know, to Democrat? And, and, you know, one of the things that I, I want to tell people, either you black, white, whatever color you might identify yourself, mm-hmm. the United States is your country. Yeah. Love your country. Yeah. This is your home. You don't have any other home. Trust me. Love your country. And this is the greatest, the greatest country on earth. I mean, you know, I talk to people all the time about this. Um, you know, there's, there's, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. We do have a lot of work to do. Yeah. But this country is the best country in the world. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell anybody that. It is the greatest country in the world. You come with nothing. And just like um, a Republican president said that, uh, what was his name? Um um, I got his name on my head. Yeah, Reagan. Uh, Reagan. Yeah, oh, Ronald yeah. Reagan said it. He said, "Look, you can go anywhere in the world, and it's it is very true. Oh yeah, you can go anywhere in the world and live there for years, and you will never become one of them. And you come to America, you become an American, and it is true. Absolutely, it is absolutely true. I hear it's that from, from a, an immigrant. I hear that from a, from a, some of my American friends who tend to be white upper middle class yeah. progressives. I had a few of them the other day saying, "I'd kind of like to move to the Netherlands, and I love the Netherlands. It's a wonderful place. Been there once." Um, but it's like it doesn't matter. You can you can you can learn the language. Mm-hmm. You can raise your kids in the Dutch schools. You can serve in the Dutch military for all that matters. But yeah. you will never be Dutch because it's you will all never be one of them. Yeah, it, you won't. And and it's it, it, this is a unique place in in pretty much the whole world as far as that goes. And the thing that I find is so uh, so so absolutely universal about this is that this is something. I mean, you hear it from Republicans, and of course, I grew up in cattle country where everyone's a Republican. You hear it from there. Uh, but when when I talk to immigrants like yourself and and almost all the immigrants I've met uh, of all of all nations of all origins and they, the ones who are actually work, working their way up through this society are the ones who are saying this is the greatest place on earth. It's the like, best place on on earth. Yeah, the best place on earth. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people complain about it. They complain about a certain stuff, but. Um, if, if you look at it, nine, nine out of ten people that complains about this country will not go back where they're from. 
at all. I can guarantee oh, yeah. you that. I'm I'm not going back. Oh yeah. Well, in fact, it was it, the late P.J. O'Rourke, who's the, the 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 conservative writer who just passed away this past week, and who who was someone who influenced an awful lot of us in the conservative talk radio business. Once said he was he went to Beirut, Lebanon, and he saw some uh, somebody from the PLO who was agitating about how horror, uh, America was the great Satan. This is back in the 80s and 90s when calling America the great Satan was a big thing, and and yet. The guy was wearing a University of Ohio sweatshirt, and he's saying, yeah, no, I'm actually going to go to dental school in Ohio here after I get, once I'm eligible. So it's like even, even the people who hate America want to come to America. Yeah, this is the – I mean, the, the, you know, you know, people get mad, and they say what they want and, and, and yeah. what they feel. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at an all aspect into this – like when I came into this country, I had nothing. Right. My father came to this country on a boat. Right. He had nothing. Wow. At all. Yeah. Okay. And now my dad have his own business. He actually have a Haitian restaurant in Miami. Okay. Okay. So yeah. um, we all came here with with nothing. You know, yeah. we left, and most of us left because of what was going on in Haiti and stuff. So yeah. we came here with nothing, and, and there's a lot of people who came to this country with nothing. Yeah. And 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 right now I'm in the right path. Yeah. Of of, of getting to the to the level of where I want to get, and then one of the one of the things too, I want to create jobs. I want to give opportunities i I want to go back home actually help kids back home going to school that's one of my biggest dream actually um because haiti have this um number that i would love to flip before i die it it i call it 87 13 okay which mean um 87 percent of kids in haiti don't don't go to school only 13 percent of them goes to school wow so um me wanting to be a millionaire it's 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 that is on my bucket list is to turn that number around Okay. And if I can even get it to 100, that's um, that would be even better. So wow. I, that's that's my mo- that's my biggest motivation. Well, from your mouth to God's ears, here's hoping here. Uh, so yeah, so so this this story has taken so many turns since I first <laughs> talked to you, probably a month ago. This just gets more and more interesting. So let's briefly talk. You're right. Just to jump back a topic. First of all, bravo to you and more power to you. Thank you. And all of that. And, and I'm glad and uh, that you, you got your truck back. That's, yeah. that's a blessing. I, I have to I could have been a lot worse. And yeah. that you're uh, that you're you're you didn't need I presumably didn't need any of the GoFundMe money. You're good to go there. Yeah, I'm good to go. OK, excellent. So so let's talk about you're right. I haven't seen Caribbean food in the Twin Cities in front. There used to be a Caribbean restaurant on Lake Street 30 years ago, long gone. Wow. So tell us a little bit about uh, about Caribbean. Caribbean food. I'm dying to hear more. I'm about as Norwegian as they come here. <laughs> yeah, Caribbean food. We um we use a lot of spice, okay. uh, pretty much on on everything. Yeah. Um we 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 use a lot of um, fried food. Like one of the one of the two best food that a lot of like people that eat Haitian foods they love griot. Griot. It's a uh, it's a fried pork. Oh. Uh, fried plantain. Oh yeah. And um we have uh, a, a some sort of Koshlo that we call pickles, but it's it's spicy. Okay, you know, okay. but we call it pickles. Okay, and then we also have legume. It's it's a it's it's a mix of vegetables with meat. Yeah, um, and you eat that with rice and beans. Oh man, it's really really good. <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying, it just you might as well give you a plug here because yeah, yeah we might as well make sure that you're in plenty of business here. And, and by the way, I grew up in the land of white and tan food. I mean, nor- Scandinavian uh, northern uh, in, in North Dakota, where everything is white and tan, and ketchup is considered salsa. Uh, and so I've trained my palate to be spicy enough to probably keep up. I'm hoping here. So uh, hopefully, you, you can keep me posted on where the truck. 
luck is, I will try and get out there and bring an entourage one of these days. Preferably one of these days here. Mackinson Charles, it has been an absolute pleasure and uh, an endless series of surprises meeting you here today. I'm glad we could do this again. Um, hopefully we can stay in touch here. I'm dying to hear more about the truck and I'm, here, I'm dying to hear more about your, your, uh, your mission to uh, bring Haitian kids up to 100% on education here. Yes, um, thank you so very much for, for having me and, and, and giving me an opportunity to tell my story. And um, yes, um, bringing kids into school, that this is, like, I, I was, I, I, I always call myself privileged. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, my mom and my dad was always have that opportunity to put us in school and paying for our school and, and, and yeah. stuff like that. But there's a lot of kids down there that did not get that chance. And, um, and I, I feel like as a man, um, it is my mission. Yeah. To help others, I don't have to be a millionaire to do so. But if I get there, I, I can I can pull out more kids and put them in school, and so they don't have to grow up and and you know going into gangs and and doing stuff like that. And yeah, you know when when God gave you um uh, the best way to to repay is to give back. You know, the ultimate privilege is not just opportunity, but the opportunity to find an opportunity and, yeah. and you and you and I both uh, have, have benefited immensely from that privilege. It's been my privilege to talk with you today. Mackinson Charles, best of luck out there. Let's stay in touch. Thank you so very much. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM twelve eighty the Patriot. Go nowhere. The fun is technically three quarters over, but really still just beginning. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World, AM 1280 The Patriot, uh, 651-289-4488. Hey, don't forget, you can register to win the February Book of the Month. This time it's Bully of Asia by Stephen Mosher. Uh, in a world bristling with dangers, the only one enemy poses a truly mortal challenge to the United States and the peaceful and prosperous world that America guarantees. That enemy is China. Uh, a country that invented totalitarianism thousands of years ago, whose economic power rivals our own, it believes its superior race and uh, culture gives it the right to conduct, uh, to achieve universal deference to it. Uh, find out much more in the February Book of the Month, Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosher. Uh, it's our February Book of the Month. Go to am1280thepatriot.com to find out more details about that February Book of the Month. He, you'll be glad you did. Uh, don't forget Jack Tomczak coming up after the top of the hour here today. He knows where the political bodies are buried in Minnesota. And boy, with redistricting happening this past week, uh, he's going to have plenty to talk about, plenty to talk about. By the way, re redistricting, geek heaven for followers of Minnesota politics. I'm sure I will find things to talk about. I know I have friends who are looking at new districts here, uh, friends in the legislature, I'd say, and friends who are voters, for that matter, looking at new districts. Me, Mine has not changed a bit. I remain right at the northwest boundary of Senate District 65, House District 65A. I remain in Sandy Pappas and Rena Moran's district. So, whoop the flippin' do redistricting. I'm sure there will be some fun stuff to talk. Actually, I, uh, there's some fun legislative news coming up here that I'm looking forward to talking about with you uh, as far as people running for office this fall uh, with seats that have opened up due to redistricting. So stay tuned for that. By the way, I've had people question, uh, sending me some questions about uh, about various scientific conclusions I've made. I, I'm not sure that there's scientific evidence in the classical scientific sense of any of these assertions here. But if someone were to give me a seven-figure government grant, I bet you I could come up with some. I bet you at least four of those digits. I could come up with some scientific uh, or, or at least factual uh, evidence that these are, in fact, not true. Number one, I'll just put these out there with little fear of rational contradiction. Number one, 
These are, are conclusions, I believe, that either science or at least facts uh, need, need to, to, to come out and, and show us. I believe the facts will show these to be absolutely true. Number one, school kids, quote, walking out of class, end quote, to protest some political cause or another is not spontaneous. Uh, Big Left must be trying to get people to the polls in nine months or or something because the headlines are again full of stories of teenagers, and I quote, walking out of school, end quote, to, and I quote, protest, end quote, quote, causes, end quote. And amazingly enough, every time they walk out of school to promote a cause promoted by Big Left, the DFL, the teachers union, or Big Karen, there just happened to be news cameras there, waiting right there as they walk out of school, carrying almost invariably professionally printed signs. Now, somebody figured out. I mean, there were some student walkouts a few years ago after Parkland uh, in favor of gun control. And, of course, all the signs were professionally printed. And people like me, obstreperous uh, peasants, pointed out that, yeah, those signs were, were printed up by a professional shop, which, stop me if I'm wrong, I don't know if high school's kids are going to be producing those. And so I have a hunch that some advisor said, hey, we need some handmade signs to go in and among the other, uh, the, the, the professionally made signs at these spontaneous walkouts. Um, it came out on a Twitter this past week. Andrea Lyon, who's a report, reporter for one of the uh, local TV stations, said, happening now! Students are standing up for Amir Locke and demanding the following from the Minneapolis Police Department. Police transparency, a ban on no-knock warrants, police and SWAT review, and resignation of interim MPD Chief Huffman and Mayor Fry. High school kids came up with that list of demands. And professionally printed signs, and very striking ones, by the way, saying justice for Amir Amir Locke. And by the way, make no mistake about it, I, I want justice for Amir Locke. Uh, while I've heard some naysaying from some of the usual quarters, I still see no reason why a law-abiding gun owner was shot after being rousted from a deep sleep in his own place. And why, in fact, there had to be a no-knock warrant for, for an apartment on the seventh floor. Why they had to do a kinetic entry on the seventh floor of a building. What are they going to do, flush themselves down the toilet? Anyway, that's a whole separate issue here. But this idea that students, on no notice, are able to mobilize, end quote, walk out, end quote, of class, by the way, with the complete connivance of their teachers. There's never been a consequence for any kid who has walked out of school for a left-leaning cause, ever. Not in the Twin Cities, no. At any rate, uh, that, that's, it, I have a hunch, a serious look into the fact. Oh, and by the way, with TV cameras waiting for them right there. I have been involved in trying to publicize events of actual public importance countless times over the last 25 and 30 years. And I've gotten a little attention from the media. But somehow these, quote, high school kids who, quote, organize, end quote, these quote, walkouts, end quote. You see what I'm getting at here, folks? They seem to have the ear of the Twin Cities media pretty much wrapped around their pinkies. What an amazing coincidence. Another thing I think that science, or or at least an examination of the facts will show at some point in the near future, is that maskists and the various lockdown fanboys and fangirls 
will eventually exhibit deep psychological issues when the crisis fades because the crisis faded. Stay with me on this. The people who hector you about your mask at Target or Walmart are having the time of their lives right now. I mean, they're doing it in a really depressive, mopey, eeyore kind of way, but this is the peak of their life. Feeling that they're saving lives by badgering people about masks or waiting to put your groceries on the conveyor belt until until the clerk has sanitized it, virtually signaling their vaccine status on social media and everywhere else, and, and and demanding that we stay locked down are, are living out their version of fighting an existential threat. I mean, their grandparents or grandfathers went ashore on Utah Beach. Uh, to this, to them, this is their equivalent of Utah Beach, only with DoorDash bringing them Waxacon tacos uh, left, by the way, safely out on the doorsteps because we wouldn't want to take any unseemly risks with getting your food delivered. And and by the way, like many of these veterans of the grueling two years of the campaign to eradicate COVID, when the crisis is over, so will end the best years of their lives. I mean, I'd say this not nearly as jokingly as I might seem like I'm coming across. When, When veterans came back, come back from wars in general, They miss the camaraderie and the sense of purpose that accompanied them into the front lines, the the band of brothers that they fought with. They don't feel anything can quite stack up to to that time of their lives, even as horrible as war is. Being there with that group of people, with that sense of purpose in life, surviving with your closest friends you'll ever have, is the greatest purpose they will ever experience in their lives. And to these veterans of their self-styled war on COVID, I see a bunch of people that are going to have the readjustment blues, as they called it after Vietnam, once the broader society is done with COVID. Stop me if I'm wrong here. (laughs) I I mean, these people... the extent to which this is, the purpose for their living, cannot be underestimated. By the way, I had some other people asking me questions this past week. What do I think about the Sandy Hook families and their settlement for $73 million with Remington for having sold the uh, the firearm to Adam Lanza's mother that was stolen by Adam Lanza at, after murdering his mother to take and go shoot uh, all of the helpless children at at Sandy Hook Elementary School? And I, my two cents for this, there, there will be much more learned opinions on this to be had out there, and we will no doubt have them on the show here in the near future. But my take on this is this. This is a function of Connecticut courts and Connecticut law leaving a avenue for an approach that under Connecticut law might just allow uh, a, a case to go forward and actually succeed for potentially even more money. And so it was worth it to settle out of court for Remington for the absurd amount of $73 million. The Supreme Court didn't want to hear the case, perhaps for because other cases may bear on that in the near future, or because it was a completely legitimate, if stupid, set of laws in, in Connecticut. I mean, states have the power to set those laws at this point. 
So what I say about that case is, number one, this is why you need to get involved to make sure that we get good pro-Second Amendment legislators elected, because it's they who create the laws that the courts judge the adherence to. And before you get too broken up about what happened in Connecticut, yeah, it may well mean at some point in the near future that it's not worth trying to sell guns in Connecticut until the people of Connecticut show via their votes and in the legislature what they really want. That's entirely likely. But let's remember, this is still very much the uh, the exception to the rule. In Philadelphia, Philadelphia, a gun control law got struck down under Pennsylvania's preemption statute this past week. Um, so the vast majority of the winners, victories are going the right way here in courts nationwide. We just have to buckle down and make sure that we back the legislators that are passing the laws that we can live with as freedom-loving Americans. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. Go nowhere. One more segment to go. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. Just a quick reminder, uh, it's going to be a big week for my band, Elephant in the Room, if you're out and about looking for, well, a night out listening to music. Uh, we, I've got one for you tonight. Actually, two of them between now and the next show. Uh, tonight, well, actually, in about uh, three, 10 minutes here, I'm going to be rocketing out of here like a F-18 off the catapult of an aircraft carrier to get myself up to... Uh, Garrison, Minnesota. We're going to be playing at the uh, at the uh, fa- <laughs> Rocky Bottom at the Y. That's what it's called. New name for the bar. If you ever drive up uh, 169 on the way uh, or on the west side of Malax in Garrison, Minnesota, the road splits. You turn left, you go to Brandon. You go right, you go to Aitken. But you stay there, and you're at the Rocky Bottom at the Y. Uh, it's on the left coast, uh, the west coast of uh, Malax, and have only been there one time. Drove by it once, thought that'd be a fun place to put a music bar, and voila, I was right. Anyway, if you're gallivanting around the Lakes District, you happen to be in the within uh, shooting distance of Garrison tonight. Supposed to be an ice fishing contest, supposed to be pretty crowded, so stop on by. It should be quite the party. Looking forward to it. That's uh, coming up tonight. And in fact, I got my car all loaded, and I'm ready to blast on out of here as we speak. Uh, so, in fact, I might just remote start it in the last minute or so here so I don't have to waste any time. And then, before the next show, Friday night, we're going to be back out at the uh, Fridley Legion. That's on 73rd and Central. That's a block east of Highway 65, a block north of 73rd in Fridley. Uh, always a great time performing there. They like us. They've had us out there. Oh, gosh, this will be like our fourth gig out there in the last uh, five, six months, I think. Uh, five months, actually, if that. So love to have you join us there. Uh, of course, the Fridley Legion, of course, has those edge of the metro drink prices in the metro. And, of course, uh, the Rocky Bottom at the Y up in Garrison, not even in the metro. I mean, unless you count the Brainerd Metro or maybe it's the Aitken Metro. Either way, hope you can join my band Elephant in the Room out and about all over the place there. Uh, we, we've got a lot of other <laughs> – this is one of those weeks I could use a whole nother show. Uh, Officer Kim Potter, the Brooklyn Center Police Department, was sentenced to 24 months for her role in the death of uh, – in, her, in, her, uh, in the shooting episode uh, last April – and with time served and good behavior under Minnesota law, she could be out in 14 to 16 months. Now, say you, say what you will. I, I am a big supporter of law and order. Without law and order, we can't have democracy. It's just completely pointless. But on the other hand, if the police don't behave, then it's not really law and order. Now, honestly, I don't think 
I'm not going to comment on the jury's verdict or the judge's sentence for that matter. What I'm going to comment on is all the people out there who said that, and I've seen a lot of this, especially from the social justice community and, of course, from uh, the, the, the victim's family, uh, say, well, she just got two years for murder. I mean, I get it. You're emotional. You're upset. You're, 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 you're angry about a perceived pattern of police behavior. I get that. Murder requires intent. There is no evidence, whatever you want to say about the case, that, that Kim Potter intended to murder someone. There is every bit of evidence that it was an accident. And yes, if you were a citizen and you thought you were reaching for a can of bear spray and you accidentally shot someone, you'd, you'd go down for homicide at the very least, most likely. Uh, and that's call that right or wrong. You take your pick. I, I, we can argue the, the, the law anytime you want here. Uh, but but you, you can't call it murder if there isn't intent. Uh, so that's that's just a, a, a matter of, of trying to slander a cop who maybe made a mistake. The other thing, by the way, I have to say is people say, well, how if she's a police officer and a training officer, how can you tell the difference? Uh, how could she not tell the difference between a taser and a gun? And I will say people who say this have no idea, not one faint clue how adrenaline works on the human body and on the human brain and on, on how humans perceive things. It, it, it's just a, a stupid, I shouldn't say stupid, it's ignorant. When you are in the middle of a life or death fight or flight adrenaline rush and you, 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 your, your body is in full flight or flight, uh, fight or flight, your brain is focusing on making your muscles stronger, your legs faster, and that's it. Your your brain is not focusing on analysis and on reasoning, and 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 you can lose control. You can forget the number to call to dial nine one one. You can your fingers your your blood is not going to minor motor functions like dialing phones, so you may not be able to dial your phone correctly. You'll hit the wrong numbers. You may lose bladder control. So anyone who says how could she not know the difference between a gun and a, and a taser has never had to deal with a genuine fight-or-flight response. Uh, go ahead, say that in front of me. I dare you. You will get shredded. Anyway, uh, here's hoping the community can heal, but I don't know. There's people out there with a great uh, interest in, in making sure it doesn't say that way. Uh, one other big note this past week. Um, it's something that, that hits me kind of where I live. I mean, cons- converting to conservatism, as I've said on this show over the years, took a little doing for me. I mean, intellectually, it made sense. My college English professor talked to me one day and said, yeah, Berg, and he had a Queens accent because he was from Queens, New York. He said, Berg, you're not a Democrat, and I'm going to prove it to you. And he did. I went into college a Democrat, and by the t- my junior year, I voted for Ronald Reagan for president. And by the way, see if that would ever happen in nature these days. And there were a lot of reasons for this. Uh, you know, intellectually, it all made sense. I read, Dol- uh, I read Paul Johnson. I read Solzhenitsyn and Dostoevsky. And all those books had – and Winston Churchill. And all those books had great justifications for why a person should be a conservative. But I looked at the conservatives around me at the time. And, of course, I grew up in a very Democrat family at a time when the media still caricatured treat, – treated conservatism and conservatives as comic book characters and – and I bought into that narrative. I thought conservatives, not conservatism, but conservatives. And I thought those, I don't know, those well-scrubbed, annoying young Republicans who used to come around the campus didn't care. I wasn't like that. I was a punk rocker, dagnabbit. And I thought about, I don't know, Jim and Tammy Faye. And I thought about Jerry Falwell. Of course, the fairly slanderous image of him presented 
by the media even back then. And then I encountered, at, at the behest of my college professor, P.J. O'Rourke and his essays he was writing at the time in Rolling Stone and Car and Driver and a bunch of other places. I mean, that's the life of the freelance writer. You write, every place will buy it. He was brilliant. He was hilarious. He was like H.L. Mencken if he wasn't a, a complete scold. And he was he made it safe to be what he called the pants-down conservative. Now, these were all essays that led to his book, Republican Party Reptile, which is sort of the, the manifesto for people like well, me back then, people who like to play their music too loud, maybe drive a little fast, maybe did not want to see themselves as those conservatives. And may, by the way, gave us a reason to respect those conservatives, even though we may not have seen ourselves that way. And P.J. O'Rourke went on. I mean, there have been some great elegies to him, James Lilacs and, and my colleague, Mr. D. at Shot in the Dark, that info, and many others talked about how important P.J. O'Rourke was as someone who made it safe, okay, and by golly, fun to be a conservative uh, back in the day and, and all the way through this last 40 years of his writing. By the way, if you want to see the best book ever written about how American politics works, run, don't walk to get a copy of Parliament of Whores. It's the best one ever. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, see you in Garrison tonight. I'm, I'm heading out of here. God bless you all. God bless America. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.